Right. Welcome back to the Big Desk. It's been a little over a month. The podcast by teachers for teachers. Mm-hmm. Anybody ever had a teacher? So today I've got a really special guest, um, a man that I have probably more life connections with than anybody I've ever met. I started out by meeting Chris Schwartzkopf when I was in the 11th grade. He was hired to be a football coach and came over to Northside. And then in 12th grade, when I was a senior, he was still a coach, but he was also my drafting teacher. I came back from college, got a job at Northside. Chris taught power mechanics right next door to my drafting room, and we became co-teachers, or I guess not really co-teachers, but next-door teachers, then co-coaches. Then I bought a house next door to Chris, so we became neighbors. Chris hired me as assistant caddy master at Orchard Ridge, so I learned that trade from him. Our kids grew up together, so I've known Chris a lot of different ways over a lot of different years. Yeah, and uh, I hadn't even thought about that till just now, but I've known Chris since 78 when he first started teaching at Northside, and then... Just can't get away from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chris, welcome. Welcome to the big desk. It and is a big desk. It is a big desk, that's right. Nice. And um, we're going to start out by getting back in history a little bit. How did you end up at Northside High School? Your dad called me. I, I was... Uh, Working a hardware store after my first year of, or first half year of teaching school down near Indianapolis. And Northside High School had an opening for somebody that uh, could do the things that were on my resume. And uh, we came up and had an interview and just decided, let's do it. It was, um, we'd uh, just been married a month or so and uh, sounded exciting to, you know, go to, a, come to Fort Wayne and it's been home ever since. Did your, your wife, Jane, is she interested in living anywhere, or did she kind of want to stay in the Indianapolis area, do you think, or was at that time well, anything? All of our families are, are, both of our families are from Indianapolis. She had a sister up here, so that was helpful. Okay. Anne-Marie Saul was up here. I had an aunt and uncle in New Haven, but other than that, we didn't know a soul or related to anybody else. So it had to be quite an experience starting your coaching career, talk or teaching coaching with Myron Dickerson anybody that knows Myron knows that he's a colorful guy to say the least um how did it how was it just getting started working with Myron well I knew right away that he was uh in charge because he he ran the interview first of all and then he asked if my wife was was present and so I can't remember if she was waiting in the car or, or where she was and somehow I went and got her and took uh, us into his coaching office and was explaining some of the blocking drills using using me and, and her as uh, blocking dummies and things. And I thought, well, this guy's pretty intense. But uh, he reminded me of some coaches I'd had in the past and uh, kind of reminded me of my dad quite a bit. And I, I thought, this is this is a good thing. Did he tell you, tell Jane that at that time, you'll not see your husband again for <laughs> several months? Uh, you know, we put in so much time there, and I, I'd never – coached high school football before I'd coached high school wrestling but had never coached high school football before so uh, you know the the time and hours we put in I just assumed everybody was doing that just assumed that's part of the job yeah it's I tell you what I as a player I just could not believe the amount of time you guys put in and when I became a coach I saw what that was like but Myron he lived it I mean he lived there I literally Literally. slept on the couch yeah now there was times where 
we'd been there quite a while and it got to be late and he says nobody leaves until we have a bloodthirsty cutthroat game of hearts (laughs) we'd have to sit around the coach's table and play hearts with him and uh good thing i wasn't very good because i got to leave early now you mentioned your dad um you've got quite a coaching teaching family talk about that a little bit now dad was an industrial arts teacher and a coach and uh i i got into it uh just kind of by accident, really. I just wasn't happy with what I was studying. Went to see Dr. John Lovell, Ph.D., who lives in Fort Wayne now, but he was on the uh, he's on the staff at Purdue University, and he was our faculty advisor, and um, he got me into uh, uh, into teaching. So, um, kind of followed followed along that you know followed what Dad was doing. A student taught at his school. We coached together in wrestling. Oh, I that, didn't know that. That's that's neat. Yeah, we coached together in wrestling that fall semester before I actually graduated. And uh, and my younger brother is uh, he's a coach and a teacher and coach at public school. Just recently retired last summer. Is very successful. Um, you know, and uh, but uh, dad dad was he coached just about everything that I can remember. He he coached football. He coached wrestling. He coached golf. I know he coached basketball in the past and track, and uh, he was a caddy master, and he's just always very, very active in a lot of different sports. Well, and then, so you guys were both very successful, but one of your brothers obviously stood out a little bit ahead of the two of you, Mark. Yeah, Father Mark was, uh, my brothers and I are six years apart. I'm in the middle, and Mark was six years older, and he he came home and told Dad after after two years at Cathedral High School that he wanted to be a priest, and so he transferred to a uh, uh, a Catholic high school in, in in downtown Indianapolis called the Latin School. And at the Latin School is preparatory for the seminary. Went to seminary at St. Minard in, in southern Indiana and uh, did his th- four years of theology in Rome and has been a, a priest in the Indianapolis Archdiocese ever since. Well, the shop teacher is the second closest thing to a priest, probably. That's right. Yeah, yeah I, I did not know that. I had friends that went to Wallace C. Prep. Yeah. Which was a uh, uh, high school prep for the seminary. Jim Ghost. Who? The Tom Ghost? Jim Ghost. No, not Tom. I can't see Tom. Either. No. I, if he did, he didn't. <laughs> well, he might he was have there be- for a while. Yes, was he, he was. Well, yes, he, was. Uh, he might have because yeah. uh, it was a little different than the normal Catholic high school yeah. with all guys there. It was a little yeah. crazy sometimes. Yeah. Some of my friends would tell me stories about it. So as an industrial arts teacher, um, what different subjects did you teach? Well, a lot of them. Um, the first thing I taught was, uh, was, was drafting. They called it mechanical drawing. That was what Myron taught. And uh, so he kind of he laid the groundwork for me there and, 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 taught and showed me the ropes. Uh, there was a power mechanics class, I remember. A guy by the name of Dick Wirt uh, was my predecessor, and he went to Concordia. And so that's why the opening existed, because Dick Wirt was an assistant football coach, and he yep. was an industrial arts teacher. That's why the opening was there. Uh, later on, it became woodworking, electricity, electronics. Uh, we had an engineering uh, class that we taught, uh, like a pre-engineering class. And then later on, uh, graphic arts was, was a thing, too. So at one point at Northside, you decided maybe teaching, maybe there's something outside of teaching. You went to work for Instant Copy. Um, found How'd out, that go? Yeah. Found out that wasn't going to be your career. 
Well, actually, uh, I love the work. Uh, the Instant Copy of Indiana was a uh, sole proprietorship owned by Jack and Jack Caffrey and his wife Joni. Um, they had, uh, I, I believe, seven or eight stores in Indiana. Instant Copy of Indiana stores, they called them. I worked there for uh, I left Northside in the in '83 and worked for Jack for a year and a half, and just realized that the bottom line and and that wasn't the motivation for me. And really, what kind of made me think about that was a lady came up to the counter where I was working and she said aren't you uh, Mr. Schwarzkopf and I said yes and and she said well I'm so-and-so's mom and when she mentioned this kid's name I just thought oh I'm sorry to hear that <laughs> and uh, she said uh, said you really made a difference in my son's life nobody else really seemed to do that and what are you doing here and at and the that moment, maybe a little bit before, I thought, I really don't know what yeah. I'm doing here. And then I got a call, not that much later from that, from Dale Dorfler. And Dale said that there is going to be an opening at Northside for industrial arts again. Mark Boynton was going to leave. Uh, the position was graphic arts and I think uh, maybe power mechanics again. Um, and uh, also that Don Hunter uh, was really done with being head wrestling coach and would I want to do that and Dale had a, a, a job on the defensive staff for in varsity football so all three of those things just worked out perfect yeah, you know some of those things you, you, that has to be a, a godly divine intervention I mean that you, you had that many well I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in faith and there's there's times when I knew I was the, the the instant copy position, even though it was a lot of money and you know, it was paying the bills pretty well, um, I knew it just wasn't right. Um, and I would spend my lunch hours over at the library praying. Yeah. Or I would go to uh, to mass downtown at lunch uh, at at to the cathedral, just because I knew it wasn't right. Was hoping for some guidance, and uh, prayers were answered in like a way that, like you said, you know, that there's no other. No yes. other explanation. Well, you look at, like, you think of the time, you probably didn't have a real strong background in graphic arts just from Purdue because it really wasn't, it was kind of a new thing. And you go to Instacopy, get all that training, and then all of a sudden now we need a graphic arts teacher. I mean, we need somebody who knows how to run a printing press. I mean, that's just, it's just the perfect mix. I felt like the same thing when I got my job at Northside. There were no industrial arts jobs in the whole county. And if there's anywhere I'd want to go, it'd be Northside. And um, Summers left and went back to Lakeside, and all of a sudden an opening came weeks before. I mean, that's just well, at just, that time, like you said, there were no, no openings. No. And I remember somebody said to me, "Well, if you leave, you're never coming back." Right. You know, because they're just you can't get back in. But another part of this story is that when I did come back. Uh, I lost what you'd call the seniority of uh, in the department, right? And there was a rift, a reduction in in, in force, mm -hmm. and there's going to be layoffs. And I was told after uh, I can't remember how many years, three years coming back after three years back, this is in the late '80s, that uh, there's going to be a reduction in force, and because you're the low man on the totem pole now, you know, since you left in in, uh, in your years tenure, that we're going to have to let you go. And so I interviewed a bunch of other places, and Dan House, Dan House stuck by me, and he said, I think we can get this worked out. He said, if, if we can get you another teaching license to teach something else, then we can 
we can we can work this out and i did i went out and got a uh a, a, another license to teach a different subject and taught that half a day and taught industrial arts half a day you taught for, econ didn't you yeah i taught econ and, taught, and then we then we developed a leadership class and yeah. taught that too you're the second person that yeah. had a weird experience with riff i think mike morris was the other one that got saved somehow from it not me being in math and math teachers needed so badly, we never had any of that because if somebody would leave, we had trouble finding people. Yeah. But that I never knew that. And the other thing I want to say is, uh, do you realize that we are dating ourselves uh, by <laughs> saying printing press yeah. here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they still use printing presses. Well, do they call it's it? It's not a Gutenberg press. <laughs> <laughs> they're not hand Movable type? Yeah, they're not hand-setting type. <laughs> Although you think back to those days, Remember how excited we were? We got our first laser printer. Oh, yeah. And we'd sit and watch that paper come off that thing. God, oh, look how great that looks. Look at that font, how yeah. smooth it is. Instead of going to see the inkjet go across and across. I was telling my current teaching partner, Ross Feller, about teaching graphic arts. And I said, we used to, when I started, we would print something out. And we'd run it through a waxing machine, oh, and it yeah. would put a coating of wax, and then we would go to a light table, and we'd cut it out, and we'd line it up with a T-square, and we'd use blue pencils, then we'd take a photograph of it that made a negative, and then we would mask that up on this goldenrod sheet, and then we would make a metal plate, and then we'd put <laughs> it on a printing press, and then we'd run it, and we'd waste about 300 sheets of paper trying to get the ink and the water all balanced out, and it was just just nuts you think the way we used to do that stuff and now what what printing is my first one was with the uh, ink machines that when you walked in the room if someone had left the top off the can you'd get a whoa i mean <laughs> really yeah i think the kids call it an instant buzz <laughs> I mean, that's what the kids call it yeah. <laughs> but i mean no it was so strong yeah. and then it was purple everything was purple on yeah. your hands if you get it Anyway. Well, you mentioned Don Hunter. Um, he, what a great guy. But you got to coach two sports with Don. Um, Don probably had a lot of influence on your life. Don Don really taught me. Uh, I re he taught me how to coach. And I firmly believe that because anybody can teach the, the X's and the O's and teach the fundamentals and te techniques. But Don taught me how to deal with people. And I learned the hard way because – um, you know, when, when you work for a fiery guy as your first mentor, and then you've been through fiery guys as a player and athlete yourself, you're that way, tend to be that way. And I remember running a kid off or two and Don, I just, I could see the disappointment in his eyes and I could, he never said very much about it, but he's such a compassionate guy that, uh, he taught me how to be patient, and he taught me how to be compassionate, how to care about about the kids. Yeah. Now, a story I remember about you and Don is, didn't you have a lot of discussions and practices when one of you was the <laughs> offensive coordinator and the other one the defensive coordinator? Those were kind of legendary. Yeah. Well, yes. they were all his fault. Um, <laughs> he would be uh, – Dale was just – Dale's the head coach, and he kind of favored the offense, and Don was the offensive line coach. And I was on defense with, with Tim Whitty or with Scott or somebody else. And, uh, the, and in a scrimmage, uh, you know, we'd, we'd stuff him for maybe a yard gain. 
Don would move the ball up four yards. He goes, there's five yards, there's five yards. <laughs> Just make me mad as hell. And uh, Dale had to separate us a time or two. <laughs> But when Don became the defensive coordinator, all of a sudden those yards went backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so in the end, the is, offense would be in the huddle, and Don would be up there kicking the ball backwards. I, I think that's called net game zero. Yeah. <laughs> so it is Don's. It's all Don's I fault. I think. Yeah, we could probably take it all the way back to. Especially Don. since he's not here. Yeah. Um, how many state champions did you coach at Northside in wrestling? Well, uh, Don had Johnny Sewell uh, first. Johnny was in 85, I believe. And that was that, that time where I was away at Instant Copy. I was his assistant for five years. And I think he got Johnny to come up uh, and, and wrestle instead of play basketball his sophomore year, I think. And then Johnny went on one state. And then that next year I came back. And uh, in 1989 or 90, 1990, Eric Early was a state champion for us. And the next year, uh, Rico Talamentes was a state champion. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, I'm sure that you have lifelong relationships with those wrestlers because that's a sport that, I mean, you got to love it to be out there. You got to love it and be crazy. And I, yeah. I can't imagine, like, when you see those guys now, it's probably like just like you were standing on the mat with them. Well, it's it's not just the, the, the champions that, that, you know, you grow to love and those kind of things, but – uh, just, just anybody that, that gutted it out and, and stayed there. Uh, I had a guy came over and, and, and did some plumbing work over at my daughter's house last week. And he introduced himself. You remember me, don't you? And his name was Matt Wagner. And uh, he said that he was never, never varsity, but he, how much the sport meant to him and uh, how much he, he appreciated the coaching. So, you know, it, it, it's not just the uh, – the guys who had the best records, it's, it's, it's everybody. The point that Scott makes, though, I, I coach soccer at Northside, a little bit of football, but coach kickers with you at Dwanger football. Wrestling, you're one-on-one with the kid. It's not like you're working the whole team, and the same with kickers. I'm one-on-one most of the time with them, so the bonding is there. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very unique sport. So – you're coaching at Northside, and then an opportunity comes to go join the staff at Bishop Dwanger. Hard decision to make? Well, bef- before uh, uh, going to Dwanger, I got into CYO football for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> as head wrestling coach, I just went up and talked to Dale Dorfler and said, you know, in order for this to go, in order for, for wrestling to really take off like we want it to, uh, I'd really, uh, if you don't mind, like to be the work with the freshman football because when freshman football season ends, wrestling can start. And Dale's se- seasons were always successful, and so they had long runs of the playoffs most of the time, and wrestling would start late. Right. Or I'd be doing both, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning. Yeah. So what I did was um, uh, did the, the varsity uh, – wrestling and freshman football and then for a couple of years I did CYO football after that over at St. Jude and uh, we had an interesting team at St. Jude I think I was there for a couple of years doing that and uh, we had some we had some great players Johnny Goodman was one of those players Anthony Spencer who ended up playing for Lures and the Cowboys uh, so we, we had a lot of fun even though it was it was grade school did that for two years and then uh, a, a friend of mine 
asked me if if uh, I'd be willing to come over and, and join Andy's staff, Andy John's staff, and as as an offensive line coach. I was still at Northside, and I did that for two years. Taught at Northside for two years, and was Andy's assistant coach uh, for two years. And that's kind of weird, you know. But uh, were you still? I can't remember. Were you still the wrestling coach at Northside then? No. Okay. No. Did you get any crap from administrators? Uh, if if I did, it wasn't direct. Okay. Yeah. So then Andy left, and well, he he, uh, he just retired. That's right. He left and, as and the became head coach. the uh, and became the uh, athletic director only. He was head coach and athletic director for many years. Right, and so when you took the Dwinger um, coaching job, or um, I guess was were hired for that job. Um, you weren't really a classroom teacher at Dwinger. What did you do? Like, what was your daily job at Dwinger? Well, Fred Tone was the was the principal, and he just wanted to get me in the building somehow. And he says, we'll make up a, a schedule. He says, he says, I look at your license. You can do this, this, and this. And I think I was going to have in seven classes, I was going to have six preps, you know, just doing all <laughs> different kinds of stuff. And uh, right before school was ready to start, um, about a month or so before school was ready to start, the dean of students left to become a football coach someplace else. He was Andy's assistant, and he left. And so they asked me, well, how about being the dean of students? And so I asked somebody, dean of students at, at Dwinger, that can't be a bad job, can it? <laughs> and somebody told me a lie and said, no, no, it's, it's easy. And uh, so I just went right into administration. Okay. So during the day, um, you're dealing with everybody's problems. And then you get to go and have your team in the afternoon. I bet you look forward to the afternoons. Well, it's, it's what Andy Johns calls a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know, you just uh, – somebody says, hi, coach, instead of, hey, you, and things like that. It, it, it was a lot different. The only problem was if, you know, if, if your football players had been in trouble, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't much fun. But uh, it was uh, 17 years of doing that. That's what I was going to ask. I couldn't remember how many years – yeah. So you, how many years were you at North before leaving to go to Dwinger? 22. Okay. All right. So. I have I have two memories of that transition. Uh, the first one was you were down in the small I, engine room. I'm going to tell the same story. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> and um, I came down because I had coached some kickers for Dale and came down and asked you if I could be the kicking coach. And, no, you said – you want to interview for the, the you want to, you want <laughs> oh, yeah, that you want to interview for the position of of being the kicking coach or something like that, and I said you're hired because <laughs> I knew what a great job you did with us and how much fun we had. I think how much fun we had was it was just as important as what yes. a great job you did, and I said you're hired. <laughs> and, and the other one was uh, one of the first weeks uh, of school that first year I coached at Dwanger. Uh, you went back in and had to do something, and all of a sudden you brought out this referral, and it, was, it looked just like Northside referrals. And it you, was you've seen those before? Yeah, I've seen a couple okay. of them. I still have a blank one in the car, okay. uh, just in case. But and it was for some, some girl like rolling her eyes or yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah, she and got written up for rolling her eyes as a teacher. Yeah. So it was a little different. Yeah. I, I, I remember that. I said, this yeah. is what I had to deal with today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I hit the ground laughing. <laughs> so how, what are the, 
main differences in a day at Dwanger and a day at Northside? Oh, not much, really. Um, you, you're still, uh, you know, the kids are kids are pretty much the same. Teachers are pretty much the same. I I, I really don't see that that much difference. I I think, um, you know, uh, I had a discussion uh, via email yesterday with with a, a, a guy over in, in New Haven. His last name is Nash, and and we're talking about the differences and. Uh, how rewarding uh, public education is because there uh, you're so much more uh, to them. Um, you know, I, I asked my dad one time when I was coming home from a, a game with him, I said, dad, why, why didn't you ever coach at cathedral? Because cathedral is where, you know, we all went and I thought, you know, that that would be the kind of place he'd, he'd, he'd say, and he, he just looked at me real quick and he says, those boys don't need me. And, uh, you know, the, he says, my, my guys do. Yeah. And, and he was at Indianapolis wood at the time. So I, I think that's, that's probably a, a difference is that, um, you know, how much, uh, more, uh, those guys at North depended on you. Yeah. And I, I still see so many of them and they, they let me know how much it meant to them. Yeah. Um, and, and what's interesting now with the, the way things have gone so many guys that I had at North or girls are parents of our kids at Dwanger now. Really? Because the opportunities there for them and for their children that may not have been there for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always talk about, you know, how, how great North was and well, how much it meant those, to them. A lot of those kids that went to Northside came from Precious Blood, yes. Queen Angels, and, I mean, grew up um, with a Catholic background. I mean, but we mentioned one. We mentioned one before the show started tonight. Um, Andy Adams, who's the principal out at uh, uh, St. Mary's of Villa. Yeah. When 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 the economy was down, like when um, Harvester left, I had my best soccer teams because a lot of the kids couldn't afford to go to Dwanger, and they were playing soccer since the fourth grade in the in the CYO. Yeah. And then when the economy got better. Uh, they went. They ended up at Dwanger. They're 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 uh, brothers and sisters. But. Now Northside was always I, I always saw it as a great school. I thought it had very high standards. It had great teachers. Um, you know, it was uh, athletics was was excellent. Um, it was it was home for us. Your father always yeah. your father always said live in the district if if possible. Yeah, and we always did. You know, yeah. we always walk. I walked to school most quite often. Mm-hmm. We had talked about this before on other podcasts that the Northside area was a community and stayed a community for a long time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that helped. I mean, we had kids who bought their parents' houses. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. so with Dwanger, um, you had a lot of success. Um, what were some of your – I don't know if you would say your better years because some people don't look at records and some people look at, like, success different ways but what are some of your successes that will always be with you in a memory as a head football coach at Dwanger? oh there, there there's a lot um one that sticks out in my mind is is after the kids leave and, and where they go and, and where they play uh there is a painting on the wall in the office and it's a painting of of three players that played for us they're all they're in different grades, 
junior, uh, junior, sophomore, senior. But they all played varsity at the same time because the, the underclassmen were just as talented. Those three boys all played at Notre Dame. Those three boys all played in the national championship game against Alabama. Wow. And uh, somehow we never really figured out how it happened. But it was a directive from some of those families that Jane and I go to that game. And they made it possible. They said, here's your plane ticket. Here's your plane fare. Here's your game ticket. Here's your hotel. Uh, you might have to rent a car. You might have to buy your meals. But we want you there. And yeah. so Jane and I got to see uh, uh, Notre Dame play Alabama down at Miami for the national championship game. And all three of those boys played in that game. Wow. And I don't know how many high schools could ever say anything like that. Yeah. Well, and there are three other boys that you probably were most proud of, and that's your own three. You know, though, um, when you coach your son, and you went through this with your dad, um, it's different. And you've got to really be very, very careful. Um, for instance, when – Tony's playing, for instance, if I'd go to linebacker drill, the first thing I'd think of is, how's Tony doing? You know, why isn't, you know, good job, Tony, and those kind of things, rather than how are the linebackers doing? Yeah. And even as even as a head coach, it's difficult to not see things through daddy goggles. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade those years where Nick and, and Greg and, and Tony played on our teams uh, for anything. Uh, now, Eileen and Ann, they had both graduated by then. But Teresa was still in school uh, during those those years, too. And she got involved in some things with the team. So, uh, And then lastly, believe it or not, I had a grandson. Yeah. Uh, played for us last year, my last year. And it was his last year. And we, we kind of planned it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that, that was neat, too, to say that you'd coach three of your, your boys oh. and, and a grandson. Oh, yeah. This, this is a – this is a rare occurrence, I think. All of us had father-son relationships in a sport. I coached Greg. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of what you said is, is true. Yeah. The one thing I remember about Greg, though, is he went four years playing for me and never said coach or dad because he didn't know which one to call me. <laughs> <laughs> and what he called you under his breath. <laughs> yeah, well, he still does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so – all of your kids were fortunate enough, and as you were too, to be Evans Scholars. I mean, that's, the Evans Scholars, um, if you don't know, is uh, a program set up by the Western Golf Association. And Fort Wayne had caddies at the time at Sycamore and Orchard Ridge and Fort Wayne Country Club. And you were an Evans Scholar. Um, tell a little bit about what that meant to you and your family. Now, as an Evans Scholar, it's... Uh... You know, you, you attend, if you caddied in Indiana and earned the Evans, you either attended IU or Purdue. So uh, I attended uh, Purdue, and uh, after my first year at Northside, um, I thought, God, i got to find a summer job. You know, I'm either going to work at a hardware store again or something. And I thought, I wonder if uh, – I hear a lot of good things about the caddy programs around here. I wonder if they need a caddy master. And sure enough, Orchard Ridge was looking for somebody and just another one of those divine things you know, as a guy that was doing it had quit, and they're looking for somebody. So we went out there and, and uh, did that for 17 years. And uh, all the kids caddied, every single one of them. Now, I wasn't, at, um, I wasn't at Orchard Ridge uh, for 
Teresa, Greg, and Tony. I was at Sycamore Hills during those times. I did it there for a few years too. But uh, all of them, all of them work for it, and uh, and Jacob as well, yeah. grandson. Again, he's at IU right now on the Evans Scholarship at right in the middle of his first semester. And if you don't know, um, if you are a good student and you work hard and you caddy and you get the recommendations, you can get a full scholarship to college. And, I mean, it's a terrific program set up by Chick Evans and or in his name. And, you know, people that don't know much about golf can go out and become a caddy. You don't have to be a good golfer. You just have to be a good person and a hard worker. We had a number of, of, of kids – from both Northside and and Dwinger earned that scholarship, and uh, it's uh, about twenty five to thirty are awarded in the state every year. And we have now we have ten thousand alums nationally in the program. Ten thousand graduates. Did any other courses uh, do that as well, or um, anybody anybody who was at anywhere could have done it? Uh, you, 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 it there has to be a caddy program. And in Fort Wayne, there's one at Fort Wayne Country Club, like Scott said, Orchard Ridge and, and Sycamore now. For a short time, there's one at Pine Valley. And uh, Indianapolis has a few, but uh, Fort Wayne continues to be pretty much the leader uh, right now as, and, and has has for many years as far as ca- caddy programs and Evan Scholars. All right. We need to talk after this because I got a seven, five, and two-year-old grand. Son, <laughs> that I need to get into this program. Get him started. Uh, uh, I bet Greg would like to have him carry his clubs too. Yeah, so. really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, this has been a lot of fun today. Um, I kind of before we get to our shout outs, I want just for you to kind of recap some of the guys that you coached with along the way who kind of molded. We talked about Myron a little bit and Don, but there's lots of them out there. Talk about the guys who kind of molded you and your coaching style and your personality? I think you learn something from everybody you work with. I learned things from you, Scott. I remember uh, as as next-door neighbor, you'd come down over to our house, and we'd go down in the basement and use pool balls on the pool table to to line up offenses and defenses. You remember that? Yeah, I do, I do. <laughs> so, you know, you were very analytical and, you know, and, and looking at formations and how to cover them or how to outnumber people. Uh, so you learn you learn something from everybody. Uh, Larry Shelton, his unbelievable enthusiasm every day. He said something every day that that I I continue to say uh, ever ever since working with Larry. He'd come out and no matter what was happening outside, it could be a blizzard and ten below. He'd say, "What a beautiful day for football!" Yep. And uh, you know, we still do that. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that that's from Larry. Um, you know, Myron, of course, he was. He was my mentor. Uh, what was what was interesting about Myron is, is when he decided to leave, I'd been there two years as his assistant, and Dale had been there one. Um, we both put in for the job, and, and Dale, ended up, Dale ended up getting the job, which was good, and I became his assistant. And uh, I'm glad that he got it because I learned an awful lot from Dale. And every time I went onto the, onto the field at Dwanger, I took a lot of Dale with me. Yeah. Um, and I hope he realizes that. I told him a couple times, but I hope he realizes that. Um, you know, Don Hunter, of course, is the, the compassionate one. Uh, he always is, is – Don's a very, very bright, brilliant guy. I learned a lot from him. Andy Johns might be one of the, the sharpest guys I've ever been around in my life. Um, there, there's just so many that, that you learn learn from. Um, 
you know, both at, at Northside and, and, and Dwanger and uh, maybe the, maybe some of the guys you uh, you played for when we were in high school. I learned some things from those guys. And um, my college wrestling coach was a big influence on me, my high school wrestling coach, my dad. You, you take a little bit of those guys onto the field with you every day, I think. Okay. Um, having coached with you both at Northside and Dwanger, I know about 20 guys that can say the same thing about you because of the mentorship, the leadership that you gave us. Yeah, I, I want to echo that. Um, I look, I do things in the classroom that you, that I learned from you as a student. I mean, I watched you teach. You're always prepared. I mean, you are always very organized. Um, you had a great work ethic. I remember watching you mow the yard and timing yourself <laughs> you'd set your stopwatch on your on your watch and you'd run up and down the yard oh god i did 28 minutes today you know and just a goal-oriented person this is the difference between you and the math department we would at lunch talk about what pattern to mow it in to do the oh, least yeah. amount of energy okay i remember your lunches at, yeah your lunches were awesome yeah well, we had and a, I remember our lunches too. Some of yeah. our lunches ended up at Coney Island. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Or Coney three, Island Run. We had a fun department. Three no onion. Yeah. yeah three that's mustard. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> they never. Yeah. They never write it down. No. They yeah. just, never get it right, but they never write it down. <laughs> you know, we always switch around to get yeah. the right what we really should have had. Yep. But it was fun. Yeah, we had a great department. I mean, those working with Dan and with John and Steve. I mean, we, it was just it was fun times. It's hard to find a group of people who. All can get along so well. Yeah. And on a side note, you guys had the best office because uh, when I was coaching <laughs> soccer, naps. I would go down there last period and take a power nap, and yeah. it was cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, George, actually a little McCallum. bit. <laughs> <laughs> George, sometimes George beats you to the, it. The temperature was like 10 degrees yeah. lower than the rest and of the And depending building. on when the door was open, it either spelled like walnut or yeah. birch. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it was right across or, your or cigarette smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, from <laughs> the, the pit. The smoking area was right down there, too. Well, again, this has been a lot of fun, Chris. So this is the time of the program where we give our shout-outs. And um, I'm going to give a shout-out this week to my two sons. Uh, they both have um, taken different career ideas. Kyle is an engineer in California. And Reed has tried a little experiment in the last month, which I think he's finally or he's starting to enjoy. And he is... Um, delving into the teaching field a little bit. He's doing some substitute teaching in the Indianapolis area. And so very proud of him for taking that opportunity and trying to find out what it's about. A lot of people would be scared to death to go into being a substitute teacher without any training and to go into a, the biggest city in the state and do it. Um, hats off to him. So I'm really proud of both my boys and the things that they're doing in their lives. My shout-out goes to Jerry Daniels. Um, Jerry was my department head at my first job at Fairfield Junior High and ended up going over to Northside as the guidance counselor, and he called me about the math position open, and I got the interview, and I was sitting in there with Bob Lovell and Dan Howe, and Jerry dropped in to say hi and, and wish me luck, and I got home and told my wife, and I said, uh, you know, that was really nice of him. She said, he did that for a reason. And I never thought about it that way. So uh, shout out to Jerry. Thank you. My shout out is is to my wife, Jane. 
um, <clears throat> this, uh, this past fall, we celebrated the 45th anniversary of our first date. <laughs> this past summer was our 40th wedding anniversary. And I know how long I've been married because I know how long I coach football. And we, I coach football for 40 years. And uh, it's all because of her. Um, you know, the, the late nights, the every single Friday night, um, you know, the things that you, you take for granted. I know I couldn't have done any of the teaching, coaching uh, w without her and her support and, and all the kids at home, too. That's nice. I, it reminds me of a funny story I have to say about being a coach's wife. Um, when we were at Northside, we won the SAC two years in a row, and we had these shirts printed up that said back-to-back -back in the sack. And Mark Daniels' um, wife, Janet, said that's the way the coaches and their wives sleep during the season. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. And true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. For the Big Desk, the podcast by teachers, for teachers, anybody that ever had a teacher, thanks for listening.